Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I was dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, It ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information. And I got to tell you, Stephanie, that's a staggered disclosure. That's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period, making you feel insecure, unsure, and unsafe. So what we got to do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment. at appsats.org and that's the partner sensitive institute that trains all professionals to put your needs first it's not like we don't put the addicts needs in there but we know you've been traumatized and so special attention has to focus on you whether you decide to stay in the relationship or you decide to go boy I just had the pleasure of doing another training, teaching professionals all over the world about our model that is just unbelievably partner sensitive. And it it just gives me such gratitude to know that, wow, we are making a difference in this world. And we are calibrating, if you will, the wounding and the trauma that you've experienced by teaching professionals how to work with you. Now, there are all kinds of treatment out there. There's individual treatment. There's family treatment. There's couples treatment. And I'm super excited because I'm going to be offering, to any of the clinicians and coaches that are listening, I'm going to be offering uh, a new model of how to treat couples. And that is the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model. We've got a certification coming up in September. And so if you're interested as a professional, can be a coach or a therapist, we want to teach you how to work with couples from an empathy approach. It's so much more than my book, Help or Heal. It is about getting through the three stages 
of safety for a partner. First one, safety and stabilization. The second being grief, mourning, and anger being, of course, restoration. Okay, now, I said there are a lot of approaches to take if you decide to stay with your spouse. And today, I'm going to be interviewing a recovery coach who's created a unique program for couples. And he's going to talk about how he got it started. Because it started out coaching men in their sexual addiction recovery. But because he engaged with the wife and saw their trauma and their pain and felt their rage and their hopelessness and their fear, he gathered his ex-wife, her husband, and his current wife to spearhead a unique retreat for betrayed wives. He says, you know, we tell our stories, we have special teachings, and it's directed at the women about their value, worth, and incomparability. So I am so pleased to welcome Reese onto our Betrayal Recovery Radio podcast. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, Uh, Dr. Carroll. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I was thrilled to hear about your program. And before we talk about it, I just want you, Reese, to to share a little bit about your own personal story so that our listening audience will have that background to know why you um, would be more than capable if you kind of are a beacon of hope for them in helping partners to heal. Sure. I, um, I have a very similar story to most men out there who have fallen prey to the porn industry. And uh, around age 11, this is going back a ways, this is going back to the mid-70s, uh, and uh, I was around age 11, and I discovered with some friends some pornographic magazines in a dumpster where they actually belong, uh, oddly enough, but uh, we knew that... Um, People discarded their old used Playboy and Penthouse magazines in this dumpster area. And so we would always ride our bikes over there and and check it out. And over time, I got drawn in, enticed, and uh, continued, even by myself on my bike, I would go back to the dumpster and want to find these magazines. And, of course, uh, what follows is the sexual self-gratification. you know, obviously that's the tip of the iceberg of how incrementally this thing takes over your life, but that happened. And as I began to uh, get older, become involved in relationships, I began to objectify the women, uh, the girls that I would date, the women that I would date, had to have sexual relationships with them just because I needed that arousal. Uh, I was reinforcing on a daily basis almost my addiction. And uh, eventually, you know, for the next 10, 15 years, I would just be acting out in that behavior. And then uh, I had a child out of wedlock and never married the mother, uh, but continued to help raise him. And then eventually I got married in the mid-90s, and I was in full-time ministry. I had a full-time worship-leading ministry. Uh, For some of you who may not know that, that's the director of music position in a large church in central Pennsylvania. And everything was going great. I got married, had an amazing relationship with my wife. We conceived our first child together uh, and uh, around 2000. And then something happened. Something broke in me 
Uh, just a lot of my baggage from my early days. I was heavily bullied as a child. That really plays into it. I was alone a lot as a child. That plays into it. And then eventually um, I ended up finding myself having an affair uh, with another woman, and uh, an unmarried woman. And I eventually uh, tried to make the marriage work. I went back, and we conceived our uh, second child, and that that would be my youngest child. And it, it just it just was too much emotionally for me. I just ended up breaking, and I left. I walked away from two very young children, my wife. I walked away from full-time ministry, making really good money at the time. And uh, I entered into this um, affair, this illicit affair, and ended up getting divorced around 2004. So we were legally married about nine years uh, we weren't together those last two or three, but legally married nine. Ended up remarrying the woman with who I, I had uh, the affair with. And then for the next four or five years, it was a living hell. Um, just trying to find myself, trying to find my own healing, trying to recover from what had happened. It was such a whirlwind. Um, my now wife, uh, of course, is uh, she, we're still together after 15, almost 16 years. And both of us had to go through a a real serious self-reflection of who are we? What happened? What is this all about? How does this fit into our life? How does this fit into our goals? It was, it was just a crazy time. Um, And so in there uh, around 2011, now this has started around 1976, 2011, 35 years into my addiction, you, you would have thought Carol that I, had hit rock bottom when I walked away from my family and ministry. But what I tell people is when I speak at churches or groups, I tell them I hit a really large ledge about two inches from the bottom um, and uh, thought I really had, had hit the bottom, but I didn't. Uh, it took me another probably six years after I was married, remarried, uh, to actually encounter uh, the Lord uh, and actually walk away. 35 years into my addiction, I had this incredible spiritual encounter in my life, and I walked away cold turkey from porn. Now, that's not the end of it, but uh, I realized that I kind of deferred and kept my objectification going and eventually got dealt with about that and finally had purity back in my life again after 35 years. Wow. Okay. You really ran the gamut, didn't you? It was a back-and-forth process, right? Oh, definitely, especially being brought up in a household of faith where you know what you're doing is wrong. Uh, You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, kind of walking this fence of trying to be good um, but being compelled to be bad. And, uh, yeah, I've pretty much been in every facet of this walk uh, with compulsive sexual behavior. Okay, so then does the story end there before we see the transformation that occurred in your life? Well, um, it hasn't ended yet. (laughs) The the bad stuff has ended, uh, but the growth, the recovery, um, the healing, uh, there's there's still things that I'm continuing to walk walk through uh, 10 years out from this. Um, do I have a desire to look at porn and enter back into that whole sexual self-gratification mode? No, not at all. It's detestable to me. I hate it. I want nothing to do with it. 
Um, are there things inside of my life that are still being dealt with, still being uncovered, you know, kind of like the onion skin healing that takes place. One layer comes off and then we deal with the next thing and that layer comes off. That still continues uh, in my life. I have gained a lot of traction and a lot of ground in dealing with a lot of my own issues, my own value issues, my own worth issues, um, you know, being comfortable in my own skin, appreciating who I am, who I've been created to be. A lot of that hard work has been done over the past 10 years. And, and in that time frame, I felt that I needed to become more aware of what was going on with me, but I began to realize that it wasn't just me. You know, in that isolated state of addiction, you don't always think that other people are dealing with the same thing you are. And I found out that man after man after man that I came in contact with said, yeah, I got that problem too. I'm struggling with that. And so well, I went absolutely. and uh, so I went know, and I was got my counseling say. degree. And yeah, go ahead. Well, I know that, you know, Patrick Karn says, the guru of sex addiction, that <laughs> Once a man really realizes he's broken and he gets the help he needs and he's gone through that horrendous suffering, that a transformation occurs and they give back in unique and beautiful ways. And so you, as a result of your thoughtful reflection on pornography after you really were able to give it up when it had its grip on you, you walked away from it, and you started not only that arduous journey of recovery, but you started to see how you could help other men with this addiction. You became a recovery coach, didn't you? I did. I did. I went and got a counseling degree, uh, and then, I, of course, I went through the uh, Patrick Harns training of the CSAT models and then um, was able to really have uh, a better uh, understanding of what I was going through. Uh, that certainly helps. We have the experience. That's one thing. But if we if we can't truly engage with ourselves, we're not really going to be able to help the next person. And so going through those trainings really helped me to do that. And then I found that I was better suited to be more of a coach. That was kind of my perspective and my angle. I realized that the more I went through this, I realized that I probably wasn't uh, as good of a counselor <laughs> as I needed to be. Um, but I felt that I, I had a lot of answers, and I felt that they could really be implemented well. And uh, so I began to kind of take on that uh, that particular persona of the coach uh, and, and started to work with people. I uh, began uh, my own program called The Silent Addiction and uh, went from there, started that as a business, and then just began to open the door. And I'm sure, as you know, as most people know who get into this business, it's not like people come running to you going, oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, I'm going to share my story with the world. Um, it's it's like prying them out of the woodwork sometimes. But eventually what happened is people began to come to me or began to spread um, <clears throat> that they felt safe with me, they felt understood by me, and they felt, um, you know, cared for and directed well by me. So that has been a wonderful, wonderful journey. Well, I, I believe that, and I can hear the passion in your voice, and I love that in your bio you talk about seeing the sadness, the betrayal, the, the devastation of the partner. I mean, there's so many certified sex addiction therapists that there was so much trauma for them in seeing what they did to their wives that it can it, it's an arduous task to take that on because it's 
evokes so much shame and guilt. So I know you must have worked really, really hard to um, get through that. And my goodness, now it's come full circle. I mean, not only are you giving the men, but you're actually invested in helping the partners heal, aren't you? I am. Um, really uh, interesting as I look back over my life. That as I was raised, I was never, you know, kind of a macho, sports-minded kid, you know, tough kid, you know, that type of thing. I was real sensitive. I always found myself being kind of um, raised around uh, my mom and her friends and, uh, you know, the Tupperware parties and, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the kitchen gadget parties and things like that. Those were the things that were always really interesting to me. Uh, watching football and baseball was, was never my pastime. Uh, and, 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 of course, then eventually being uh, or realizing, I guess, that I have musical talent, and so I'm tapping into that kind of creative, sensitive side of my life uh, in order to be active in that uh, area. I, you know, I, I've just always had that, that real sensitivity and, and appreciation for women and in a good way, in a holy way, a respectful way, <clears throat> although I didn't live it out that way. Um, but I realized that, you know, I, I created a betrayed spouse. Right. I mean, by my behavior, okay. by my actions, by my choices, I, I literally created a betrayed spouse. And I, I have memories of being in couples counseling and watching my wife um, tear up and just say, I, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be a single mom. You know, I, I want this to work. And, and I have I have found that, Carol, through uh, through all of the work that I do. I have found the resiliency of wives to be so strong. They are hurt. They are betrayed. They are traumatized. I validate that. But I also validate the fact that women are created in a very different way than men are. And they have a resiliency. Um, like, look, we, we never birth a baby. Right? I mean, we, we'd sit there and cry all day long like we had the flu. But, but women have this beautiful resiliency that is placed in them to be able to handle something so crazy and arduous as the journey of being a betrayed spouse. Some don't make it. We know that. Um, but the ones that I've seen, they just have this thing in them that keeps fighting and fighting and fighting. And I, I wanted to monopolize on that. I wanted to land on that and, and help them through their recovery. And it was just a heavy burden on my life as I began to do more research about their struggle. Um, you talk about Patrick Carnes, you know, his daughter, Stephanie Carnes, had, had written books about that. Um, some other people, uh, Mark Laser's wife, had written books about being a betrayed spouse. And I just saw that if there was some way that we could truly and holistically meet their need, draw them in, not, not just, here, we, we want you to understand your husband's addiction so that your marriage works. That's not it at all. I, I truly want to offer an environment and a way for them to access their pain, access their trauma. And it's, you know, it's not just going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be a journey for them as well. But, uh, but to help them, and, and a part of it is helping them understand where their husband came from, how they got involved with this, because as much as I think women don't, don't want to hear the fact that a, a kid who's 11 years old who finds porn is actually groomed and preyed after and victimized by the porn industry because there's, there's no way for us to rationally make sense of what's happening to us sexually at 11 or 12 years of age. 
but we find this thing. And if we do have some type of dysfunctional environment that we're a part of, like me and my bullying or me and me being alone all the time with my mom and dad gone and, and working, um, and, and because of the effect of that that it had on my worth and my value, I, I didn't think of myself as very important. Um, I began to gravitate towards those those sexual arousal feelings in my life that made things feel better. But when you're 10 or 11 or 12 and you're coming in contact with that and it's having that effect on you, you're, this isn't a cognizant choice that you make. But what happens as you grow older, you know, you begin to start to understand what's what's wrong, what's right, what's healthy, what's not healthy. Um, but sometimes you you can't make that distinction uh, very clearly as well. Uh, and, and then, as you know, we find these men uh, coming to our doorsteps when they are at a place of just total devastation. The wife is like, you are going to go get help or this marriage is over. They have finally reached this point in their life where, okay, somehow, some way, it got into my head that, this is not right. This is not where I need to be. This is not healthy for my wife. This is hurting her. It's killing her inside. And 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 one more thing that I'll say about that, uh, Carol, is that you you know women. Uh, I I don't know how how much men feel this way as far as the comparative that they make as they grow up, uh, grow older with pop culture around them, what they need to do to feel hot or sexy or what they need to do to feel. But we do see that in, in, in the world with women. There is so much uh, comparison that takes place. Am I acceptable enough? Am I sexy enough? Am I attractive enough? Am I going to get a man? It's, it's not a weakness. It's just something that pop culture lays on us. And we start to define ourselves by all these roles that pop culture gives us. And and as I'm sure that you know, some of the uh, – some of the information that has come out recently is that we're finding young uh, teen girls who are accessing pornography uh, as, as education. As, they don't want to be seen as somebody who is, uh, you know, not good sexually because their word, you know, their name is going to spread around high school. As, don't go to them. Don't go to them. And, and we're finding all of these women trying to, at age 15 or 16 years of age, become very, very hypersexualized so that they don't get it wrong. And where did that come from? How did that have you get laid upon people that, that they have to be good sexually before they're married? Um, and so it just kills me inside to see all of this kind of stuff that's gone on over people's lives as they've, as they've gone from teenage years to adult years. And there's so much dysfunction inside of them and so much pain so many questions, you know, am I I going to be acceptable? Am I going to be loved? Am I going to be appreciated for who I am? And then they just start making these unhealthy choices to find acceptance in the world. And so I, I tell guys, I tell guys this, I say, look, your wife has had this battle her whole life and what you've done and the choices that you've made and the route that you have followed has affected them, not just in a sense of marriage relationship, but in a sense of deep personal individuality of that person. And so, Reese, I want to ask you, because you have created with your wife and your ex-wife and her husband, the four of you have put together a retreat. And it's in January, so everybody has plenty of opportunity to mark on their calendars January 14th through the 16th in Orlando, Florida, a great place to be in January, I might add. Um, (laughs) Yes, very much so. 
yeah, you've created this incredible retreat, and I want you to talk a little bit about that and, and tell us who's invited and, and what's going to be covered. I want our listening audience to hear about this and spread the word. Yes, definitely. Uh, thank you. Um, it is uh, something that is sponsored through The Silent Addiction. Um, one of the best ways you can find out uh, about the logistics of it is to go to thesilentaddiction.com, and then uh, we're calling it Healing the Soul. And anybody is invited who is in that category of having been sexually betrayed by their husband. This is mainly uh, initially going to be focused on right now the, the female, the wives, um, in, in that partnership, we do know that it happens in, in a reverse manner. It's not as high of a percentage right yet, but I think it's moving there. But right now, uh, women who have been betrayed by their husband uh, through sexual affairs, uh, through the uh, you know compulsive sexual behavior of, of pornography and sexual self-gratification or strip clubs or prostitutes, uh, you know, something along those lines, um, we want them to know that we are creating this retreat down in Orlando in January. You are right. It's beautiful down here then. And if you are in the northern tier section of the United States, there's nothing better than escaping to Florida for a few days. Um, we, we are planning uh, to do this, that it is going to be completely focused on uh, the woman and her pain, validating the pain, validating her journey, validating uh, the uh, trauma you know, that she is experiencing and, and calling that out and, and offering some class exercises, offering some times of meditation, uh, you know, allowing them to journal. Um, we're going to be bringing music into this. It, it is a, uh, you know, a faith-based retreat. We don't want that to sway anybody. We're not going to, you know, force uh, a certain belief structure down your throat or anything like that. But uh, we are going to be, you know, playing some soft music, worship music, all, all four of us. Uh, my ex-wife, her husband, are very musical. Uh, my wife, and of course me, are musical. And uh, we've all been singing our whole life. We've all been leading uh, worship in churches uh, collectively and, um, and separately our whole lives. And, and so we're going to be, you know, offering these kind of seasons of just peaceful meditation and music and some singing and some prayer time. Uh, it's not going to be a retreat where you leave and you just felt like you had all this information and you were drinking from a fire hose. We don't want that. We want there to be some understanding and some training. We're going to have some breakout sessions where uh, certified counselors, you know, um, uh, educated counselors in this area of pain and trauma are going to be there to be able to listen to their story, to be able uh, to create a safe environment in some, you know, smaller groups where um, there can be some real connection that takes place. And then, um, you know, like I said, class exercises and different things that they'll be able to do collectively as a group of people and be able to express their emotions, express their feelings, express their story. And this is a place where, listen, uh, if you need to scream, you need to cry, you need to do anything, you are free to do it. It doesn't matter uh, what the environment's like. You know, we're going to have counselors on hand. If you need anybody at any time, they're going to be ready for you. Um, to, uh, you know, things like this are going to be triggering. Um, and, and I, being a man, uh, I'm, I'm spearheading this, and, and a lot of times people get a kick out of the fact that I'm doing it with my ex-wife. Um, but one of the things that you will hear at this retreat is our four stories. You'll hear my story as the addict. You'll hear my ex-wife's story as the victim and the betrayed spouse. You'll hear my 
current wife's story as being the other woman and the battle that she had kind of wearing the scarlet letter. And then you'll hear a really funny side of things with my ex-wife's husband, who has been a, a mutual friend of ours for many, many years, um, come into this mess, never having been married and in, in approaching 50 years of age uh, with no kids and, and entering into this mess and immediately getting two stepchildren uh, and a broken wife and a man that he was in ministry with for years and years and years because he was a director of music at a local church in our area. And, and we had a really close relationship with, he's walking into this thing that he thought I was a completely different person. And now he sees this mess, this blob of a man that he doesn't recognize. And, and he's walking into that, but it is just an amazing story of redemption, reconciliation. And, and uh, we celebrate Christmases together, you know, with our kids. We, um, whenever we go up from Florida to visit family in central Pennsylvania, we make sure that we get with them or have a picnic with them some way, shape, or form. Um, nobody wants to think about that, you know, when they're going through their pain, like, oh, that's going to be wonderful. Thanks for that beautiful picture. But it doesn't come without us all, all having paid the price, all having walked through the pain and the trauma of our own life and our own experiences as well as the pain and trauma that has part of our lives because of uh, this disclosure and this discovery of my addiction. Um, and so we get it honestly. You know, we're not standing up there just going, hey, look at us. You know, look, we're supermodels. That has nothing to do with it at all. We've had at least a decade of ravishing pain and, and ravishing fear that has overtaken our lives. And we want to present those stories to you, not, not to trigger you, but to give you hope and, and to, to know that you have a future and that your hope will not be cut off. And, and as you mentioned earlier on in, in, in the, the podcast about the worth and the value and the incomparability, we want to make sure that they get that. My, my uh, ex-wife, her name is Sharon Spurk, she has this ministry to women that is so amazing about their value, that they are just far they're worth far more than, than rubies and diamonds and gold and silver. She's actually gone over to Kurdistan, northern Iraq, and shared with the women of northern Iraq about their, about their value and their purpose and how much they are truly loved and truly appreciated by God, their creator. She's been in Romania sharing this to um, uh, an area that is super high known for, for being uh, trafficked. A lot of women are trafficked out of Romania. She's had the ability to share her heart and her story there. And so this is something that I, I think is going to be a really, really powerful week. And, and I hope that we get, you know, I mean, we're looking at about 20, 22 women to make it effective, to make it personal, to allow for real connection. It, we're not looking for, you know, 75, 100 people to come. But if we get that kind of response, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that we get more and more retreats on the calendar to make sure we can handle the load. Well, you know, you can, again, you can hear the passion, you, you know the mission, the fact that you are going to have all of these perspectives. You know, you know, I'm an empathy expert. I work hard at helping sex addicts help their partners heal through empathy. And um, I'm going to be doing this new certification for counselors and coaches to teach them how to help couples develop more empathy. And when I saw what you were doing and the fact that you were utilizing four different perspectives 
empathy is all about perspective taking, and it's all about knowing that you can't understand what somebody has been through, but you can have a knowing and an openness to hearing about that and wanting to assist them in resourcing. And so this is a real retreat that can help people to heal. Now, it definitely sounds religious, and let's face it, you come from Be Broken Ministries out of Texas, and your, even your training was um, from a wonderful organization, uh, Christian Counseling, from the International Institute of Christian Counseling in Sarasota, Florida. So I'm going right. to ask you a sticky question. Do okay. you think that this might be a place for a woman who perhaps was either a non-believer or a woman who right now wonders why God forsaked her. What am I trying to say here, Reese? She felt forsaken. Forsaken. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you see this as possibly a conduit for her healing with her own personal God? I do. I, I do. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not think, you know, like, okay, you've been brought up in a Christian household, which I was. Uh, you've had, you know, Christian training and counseling and, um, you know, you've, you've been in Christian ministry your whole life. Are you going to be able to kind of break out of that box? And for me personally, uh, you know, as an individual, I, I find it to be my source. I find it to be my help. I, um, I've done a lot of research being in ministry to find enough information uh, about biblical scriptures to know that I believe them to be real and true, that they're not made up, that they're not some book that was written, you know, three, 400 years ago because um, nobody was alive uh, back then that's alive today. And so we won't know about it. Um, I believe very much in, in, in the archeology span and all of that kind of stuff that cements my own faith. But like, like I mentioned, we are not, we, what we're here to do is have you find healing. Now, as I'm sure that you know, there is a, a physical side to this and there is a spiritual side to this. Uh, spiritual, not meaning Christian, you know, but, but a spiritual side to this. And when the spirit and the body are in, in unity, there's, there's wholeness. The true self gets to be at a place of wholeness. And, and that emotional maturity gets to take place and get back in alignment again. And so um, this is definitely a place, you know, what, what's, you know, you're going to be in an environment where there is going to be a lot of spirituality. And the spirituality that it's going to be based in is going to be a Christian belief. Um, but there are so many principles in Scripture that, that can help people. Where do we get the golden rule? right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that comes from Jesus. Um, and, and there's so many great principles in Scripture, but at the same time, as we're utilizing that to just access the spirit side of the person and give them the ability to, to open up a little bit more, uh, kind of find themselves in the mystery of it all, um, uh, we, we also are going to have you know, the clinical side presented. We're going to have the clinical side of trauma presented. Uh, we're going to have the clinical side of addiction presented. And the clinical uh, uh, side of, of the choices that we made uh, in the midst of our addiction or in the midst of our pain and trauma presented. 
And so there's going to be this mix, but nobody should come to this who is not a Christian, doesn't ascribe to necessarily Christian values, but does have some type of understanding or, or desire to tap into something spiritual um, that, that isn't Christian. That, that should not dissuade anybody. Again, we are not going to be here um, to, to force you to believe in something at all. We're not going to shove anything down your throat like you have to believe this before you can go any further in this. That is that is the farthest from the truth. You may feel that way as you're looking at this going, I don't know, I'm not sure if I should do this. But I want you to know this is all about you. This is all about your safety. This is all about creating environment for you to individuate, for you to be who you are. And, and although we will believe in our own hearts that you were created by God, that you have a purpose and a destiny in your life, um, and, and maybe you may not look at things that way, we are going to approach you as an individual. We're not, you know, we're not going to take the Bible, thump you over the head <laughs> or anything like that. But there are incredible principles in the Bible that can really lead to life-changing uh, choices in your life. Oh, very, very good. Okay, so I want to remind people that retreat, they can just visit the silentaddiction.com and click on the tab for Healing the Soul and um, sign up. It is in Orlando, Florida, and it's January 14th through the 16th. Um, There's going to be counselors available if you're afraid of being triggered, these four want to share their story and their healing and help you to heal too. Now, we have to start wrapping up the podcast, but I'm wondering, because you are an addict in good recovery and you have taken your life to the next level, and that's what this is all about. It's all about learning from your mistakes. When you know better, you do better. And the four of you are just are willing to do incredible work to help partners heal. I'm going to ask you, so many women wonder why, why, why was he addicted to pornography? What do you believe the biggest problem is to facing the fight against pornography today? (laughs) It is, as you know, uh, it is a, a David and Goliath situation here. Um, over the past 10 years since I've been researching things and going to conferences and, and listening to people uh, speak, you know, from their own perspectives. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is we, we have an industry that has ballooned from just uh, a few pages in a, in a, in a magazine um, or a few pinups um, to something that has spanned the globe and over society at, at a rate that is just unheard of. We have one of the things that I, that I think is really a really big problem is the porn industry has to create repeat customers, right? You know, kind of like the cigarette industry or the alcohol industry. Um, they have to create repeat customers or they're going to go out of business. And so they've been very, very sly in moving into the lives of young uh, young children, you know, the first episode that you have with porn these days on the Internet is, is usually on a cell phone and you're probably about age eight. And you don't really make too much sense of it uh, at that age. But we have them poised and ready to groom any boy uh, that or, or even girl now um, who will dare 
to take the next step and click on that link. Um, we, it is a massive, massive industry. And, and a lot of people think, well, you don't have to pay anything. How, how do they keep themselves alive? Well, they have streams and streams of external income that are coming in to keep the porn industry alive, to keep the movies and the videos being made, uh, to keep the, uh, the magazines being, uh, being printed. Um, it, is, it is one massive, huge battle. And when I stand there and I look at this huge giant, um, I think to myself, is there any way that we can do this? <laughs> is there any way, you know, that we can come against this? For years I fought to, uh, and I've, I've spoken in front of, um, you know, political congresses and things like that in, in different states where, you know, we fought this fight of, of porn as a public health crisis. And I went to give my testimony to senators and congressmen in different places. And, and, and just to look at them and almost laugh at you and the questions they ask you have nothing to do with your battle. They have nothing to do with your broken marriage. It's, it's everything to do with freedom of speech, you know, uh, artistic expression. And, and, and they laugh at you. And, and you, you walk away going, I, I, this, was this a waste of time or not? So that, that is probably one of the biggest things I see. You, you know, uh, part and parcel of this, Carol, is that over in India, uh, about three, four years ago, over in India, the president said that he wanted all of the Internet service providers to start blocking pornography because he actually saw the degradation of society around him, the degradation of marriages and the degradation of individuals um, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, children being born out of wedlock or being conceived out of wedlock, all this kind of stuff. And in that society, it, that is something that they strive to fight against tooth and nail. And when he did that and he, and he put that mandate out for ISPs to, to, stop, to start blocking porn to the individual consumer, millions of people rose up demanding that they have their porn back. Think about millions and millions of young men or older men fought against the government in order to be reinstated with their pornography. Do you see the claw that is in the heart and the soul of men, not just here in America, but in India and in Pakistan and even in Saudi Arabia, believe it or not, and in, 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 in the you know, Asian uh, countries and, and European countries. It is everywhere. It is more prevalent than COVID will ever be. And it is a pandemic way beyond what COVID has brought to us. And um, I think that is one of the, the biggest deals. And then denial is probably the second greatest thing. I didn't realize I had an addiction, Carol. And it wasn't because I was in denial. Nobody came up to me and said, hey, you need to stop this. And I said, nah, I don't have a problem. I had no idea that this could even be an addiction. And I think aside from denial, when somebody tries to tell you you have a problem, not even recognizing it as an addiction and you are trying to fix the problem by white-knuckling it through, or you're trying to fix the problem fighting an addiction with the tools that it takes to fight just the struggle, that doesn't work. So I had to get to a place where I actually recognized, oh, my goodness, I have to admit I had an addiction. So I think those two things are the huge battle that we have in front of us in trying to fix the brokenness of these men and, 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 and bring them to a place of freedom and recovery in their own life. Once mm -hmm. that happens, we can, we can reach out and, and draw the woman into that, 
that healed whole man and, and hopefully see reconciliation. Amen to that, Reese. I'm telling you. I, I just wondered what you thought, and I do <laughs> so appreciate the work you're doing. And I'm telling you, I really do believe in that old adage about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And so you're doing great work. God is going to bless you. Uh, partners need the support. And so I wish you so much wealth and, and richness for this program and helping partners heal. And when you have that retreat, you're going to have to come back on the show and tell us what it was like and when mm-hmm. the next one's happening, right? Oh, I, I, I hope I get a chance to do that uh, very much so. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. We're in the throes of the planning stages right now, and we're just enjoying every bit of this just with anticipation to know that we'll be able to reach into the hearts of these women and just open the door, unlock that door, and, and give them freedom and safety to just express who they are, tell their story, and move from where they are into a place of complete freedom and healing. Uh, that's, that's what I see in my head, and that's what I hope happens. All right. Well, thank you, Reese Crane. I want to remind everybody you can visit the silentaddiction.com site, click on the tab for Healing the Soul, and sign up for the retreat January 14th through the 16th. And, Reese, God bless. Thank you. God bless you too, Carol. All right. Take care. So isn't that amazing? I mean, that the four of them would have the courage to, to get together and create a mission to help you all heal. All right, I've got to leave. I've got some things to do. This is a Saturday, and um, this is going to replace Thursday's show. So I'm just so happy to have you. And there are a lot of resources available that weren't here 10 years ago. There'll be a lot more 10 years from now, and perhaps you will be part of helping other partners to heal. So as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one. For more information, go to apsats.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.